good to see you this morning. How's everybody doing? Is everybody awake? Is anybody? Oh, I heard a few. All right. Listen, joy is yours this morning for the taking. God is offering it to us. So let's just take hold of his joy today as we worship him. Can we do that? Come on, put your hands together. Let's worship. the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We shout out God who saves, we sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause he hung up on that cross, then he rose up from that grave. My God, still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. He won't be quiet. We shout out your praise.
Good morning, Dothan First Family. How y'all doing this morning? Awesome, awesome. Uh, you can go ahead and grab a seat really briefly. Uh, I just want to say welcome to Dothan First if you're here in person or if you're watching online. We're so glad you're here. And uh, if you are a first-time guest, we want to say welcome, but we also want to invite you to grab the Connect card in the pew in front of you, or you can scan the QR code on the screen, or you can text D1 text to 845. Seven, six, because uh, there's a number of ways we want to connect with you, but we just want to know your story. We want to uh, invite you. We also have a free gift for you as you exit today. One of our leaders will be there. And so there's some other things on that where you can sign up for Grow Track, uh, baptism. As I mentioned earlier, tell us your story, or maybe even you want to get ready to join life groups, or, which are getting ready to start in the fall. We want to make those available to you because family is so important to us. So uh, we want to we want to get connected and we have a great service plan for you But not only that we want you to lean into worship. We want you to take notes We want you to engage and get ready matter of fact look at your neighbor and say get ready If you're online you might as well type in the in the chat box get ready because today's gonna be a good day And we're gonna get ready to continue our worship through our generosity. How many are thankful and you're blessed today? Amen. Awesome. That's so awesome well, not only that, just a few things I want to remind you of before we get ready to give is that uh, you can follow along during the service on Uversion. Uh, we want to encourage you to do that or follow us on social media. Both of those things are available and they're ready uh, for you to engage in the service. So as we get ready to continue our worship, I'm also going to ask our elders if they'll get ready to go to their various prayers uh, stations. We have two and the exit doors down on the main floor and then one in the balcony. Uh, here at Dothan First, we believe in prayer. Amen. And we also, beyond just prayer, we believe in healing, and we believe that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man does much work. So we want to encourage you to respond to that if you need prayer this morning. And I want to go ahead and invite you to stand as I get ready to pray over our time of giving through worship. How many are blessed this morning? I just want to go ahead and encourage you, if you'll lift your hands, if you have your offering in your hand, I want, to, I want to pray a blessing over you, and the team is going to get ready to go back into worship. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the people in this room. Father, I thank you for the faith that's in this room. I thank you for the expectation that is in this room. Father, I'm believing that when prayers go up, presence comes down. So, Father, we're getting ready to worship you through our giving, and we're getting ready to worship you through our worship. So be with our team. We want to honor you and give you praise. And everybody said real loud, amen. Let's go back into worship. God, we love you. We thank you so much for your goodness, God. That Today we just... Confess, Lord, that you are Lord of all, God, not just one thing, not just some things, but you are Lord of everything in our life, God. And we surrender once again to you today, Lord. I'm never alone, I'm never abandoned. 
never conquer me Cause I belong to Jesus When I feel the pressure I won't run away Even in tension Your presence is enough When I'm in the mystery
never conquered me. I belong to Jesus. Come on, sing it one more time. Fear, fear you'll never conquer. I belong to Jesus. Fear you'll never conquer me. I belong to Jesus. We belong to you, Lord. Can we sing that chorus one more time this morning? Just to dwell on God's faithfulness to us. It's not that we get everything right. It's not that we're always faithful to Him. But even in our stumbling, He never abandons us or forsakes us. And that's what gives us the motivation. His love for us is what compels us to pursue Him and to trust Him. We love you, God. We thank you for your faithfulness to us today. Sing, you are with me. You are with me. And Father, you're for me. Fear will never conquer me. I belong to Jesus. I'm never alone. I'm never abandoned. Fear you'll never conquer me. Cause I belong to Jesus. Amen.
God, we're reminded as we sing these songs that it's, we have a responsibility as well, Lord. It's not just on you, God. Your faithfulness is what you do. God, your dependability, your unchanging nature, that's what you do, Lord. But it's our responsibility to testify to what you've done in our lives, God. It's our responsibility to tell our story, Lord, how you have brought us from a place where there seemed to be no way, God. But you were faithful, Lord. You made a way where there was no way, Lord. And to remember that, God, and to rehearse that, and to testify of that, God. To build our own faith up, Lord, and to build the faith of those around us. To remember that our God is always faithful, Lord. You never fail. You never fail, God. We may go through valleys. We may not see how you're going to come through, Lord. But our trust is in you, God. 
and we know, God, that you are constant. You are the rock. You are our fortress, Lord. So we testify this morning, Lord. We remember. God, we thank you, Father. We worship you, Lord, for every time you've come through in difficult circumstances, Lord. And we know you will continue to be faithful because it's who you are. And that's why we worship you this morning. Hallelujah. And if you agree with that this morning, let me hear you say amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, you can be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, I want you to know that Michelle and I this Sunday are with Gunter and Bethany Acreage, church planters and amazing pastors in Savannah, Georgia. Michelle and I are overseers at the Dwelling Church and we're ministering with them today. But listen, you are in really good hands because Pastor Will Caesar, our youth pastor, is gonna be sharing the Word of God with you today. He's gonna to do an amazing job as he just unlocks the Word of God, explaining and detailing some of the difficult questions that some of us deal with. So join us now as we go into how to. thankful to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Awesome, awesome. Uh, we have some of the best pastors in the world, and I know y'all probably feel like I say that every time, but we really do. They're not just good pastors, they're good people, and they're even better leaders. As they just said, they're in Savannah and, uh, you know, just providing oversight for a church there. So y'all continue to pray for them. But uh, I want you to go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. We're going to dive right in. And um, before we do that, I mentioned it earlier. I just want to encourage you that the sermon notes on the YouVersion Bible app, if you don't have that already, you need to make it available because there are Bible reading plans at the end of this message that I want to encourage you to read. But um, if you're ready for God's word, say yeah. yeah. Good deal. So we've been in a series called How To Dealing With Life's Difficult Questions. And for the last how to in this series, we want to talk about and learn how to forgive. Somebody say forgive. I know that isn't a good one for everybody, but that's the one we're going to talk about today. So if you're ready for the word, I want you to go ahead and stand on your feet. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, we're going to read two verses there, and then we're going to read one more together. Matthew 18, starting in verse 21, it says this, Peter came up to the Lord and asked, how many times should I forgive someone who does something wrong to me? Peter says, is seven a good number? That's a good round number. I like that number. He says, is seven times enough? Jesus answered, not just seven times, but 77 times. Some translations say this, 70 times seven. So either if it's 77 times or if it's 490 times, either way, that's a lot of times to forgive somebody. Amen? Luke chapter 6, verse 37, it says, forgive and you will be forgiven. Forgive and you will be forgiven. 
for the next few moments, I want to speak on this topic, how to forgive. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the people in this room. Father, I know even in worship, we sense your presence. And I know people probably walked in with things in their heart that you don't even want them to have. People walked in with hurt, pain from their past, bad memories, toxic relationships. But Father, I'm asking today that people learn how to forgive. Father, I'm asking today that people learn how to let go. And I got all God's people said, amen. High five somebody on the way to your seat and say, I'm sorry. Say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're sitting next to me. Just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, I want to start off by asking you a question. I think it's a pretty good question. Uh, and if you're, wa- if you're in the room or if you're watching online, this is a good question. But uh, if you have, if the answer to this question is true, I just want you to wave at me. Has anybody ever been offended? Anybody ever been offended? All right. Hey, how y'all doing? Good. Um, all right. Got another question. Uh, you probably don't want to wave at this one. If the person that offended you is in this room, don't wave at me. But, you know, just just keep your eyes on here. <laughs> Some few people waved. It was like they're sitting next to me. Just kidding. But, um. In the story we just read earlier, Jesus was trying to teach Peter that it's not if you get offended, it's when you get offended. That if you live life long enough, you will encounter somebody or some people who are simply hard to forgive. It's just true because it's impossible to live life and not deal with this word called offense. Somebody say offense. So quick disclaimer, quick disclaimer. I want us to have fun, but uh, this message is going to be more surgical than celebratory. You're, you're not going to walk away and be like, oh, man, that was a good one. It felt good. You're going to go eat lunch and then take your afternoon nap. This isn't one of those messages uh, because this topic deals with the heart as well as the head. And I believe at its core, the issue of unforgiveness is actually an issue of faith. How so at the root of unforgiveness is actually unbelief. At the root of unforgiveness is actually unbelief. If you don't believe me, I'll pose it in a question. Do you believe you are forgiven? Do you truly believe you are forgiven? Our biggest barrier to faith is the inability to accept God's free gift of forgiveness, grace, and mercy. And if we cannot freely accept God's gift, if we do not believe we are forgiven, we will make people try to earn something that God gave to us. Do you believe you are forgiven? Forgiveness is the foundational discipline of every follower of Christ. It is fundamental to our faith. Therefore, we cannot be elementary in our understanding or unwilling in our expression of it. Somebody say, I'm sorry. Unfortunately, there's a real stigma that correlates with believers. And it's this. Forgiven people can be some of the most unforgiving people. Forgiven people can be some of the most unforgiving people. That Christians can be the most offendable people on the planet. I feel like that's an oxymoron. And I think it's quite ironic that we worship and believe in a God that lived a life dropping every single offense, yet we seem to be more known for how quickly we get upset as opposed to being how quickly we forgive. This is an issue. Pastor Mark said last week, Christians should be the hardest people to offend. I wrote after he said that because sinners should be the easiest people to forgive because once were some of you. For all have sinned, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all have messed up. We've all made our mistakes. Whether we knew about them or we didn't, we all needed God's forgiveness. So I want to tell you, this is an issue that praise and worship won't fix alone. Prayer by itself won't fix this. Some of us, if we're going to be real, real honest, we're going to talk about how to forgive. Some of us need therapy. 
Nobody wanted to say amen. I was like, I'm not going to counseling. Let's just practice. Take a deep breath in. Just take a deep breath out. Say therapy. It's good. It's a good thing. We got some great counselors. We got people in the building that can help you. Some of you need therapy. You need counseling. There's nothing wrong with that. There is some stuff that you just can't shout through. I don't care how many walls you scream at. I don't care how loud you get in praise and worship. Some things you just can't shout away or hoop and holler your way around. There are some things that you have to give to Jesus. And if we're going to be honest and deal with this issue, we need to stop putting camouflage over our dysfunction. I told you it was going to be more surgical than celebratory. We need to stop putting churchy habits over sin. This is why people are living in dysfunction and calling it freedom. But I want to tell you this morning that that's not freedom. That's counterfeit, boo-boo. You just, you confused. You, you, you got it twisted. So today we want to learn how to forgive. Somebody say, I'm sorry. We want you to learn to say, I'm sorry, as freely as you say, I love you. We'll go to a steakhouse. Man, I love that steakhouse. We'll buy a brand new car. I love this car. We'll buy some brand new shoes. I love these shoes. Our students, they get a brand new girlfriend. I love my girlfriend. We need to learn to say, I'm sorry, as freely as I say, I love you. Why? Because if you won't give God your hurt, you won't give him your heart. If you won't give God your pain, you won't give him anything else. And then you'll be like every other person that's harboring hurt, that's harboring pain. You will justify your unforgiveness. But if we're called to love God and to love people, and I believe Jesus wants us to, I believe this is a mandate, this is a biblical mandate, not just the vision of our pastors, not just the mission of our pastors. I believe Jesus wants us to learn like we've never, wants us to love like we've never been hurt. And in order to do that, we got to learn how to forgive. Somebody say, I'm sorry. So today's message is practice. Uh, that is why I went ahead and had you uh, apologize to each other. If you thought that was weird, it's just you just need to learn how to freely say it because uh, it seems as though as if those who are closest to us are the ones who have the greatest opportunity to hurt us. We read it earlier in uh, verse 21 of Matthew 18 in the NIV translation. Peter says the question this way. How many times shall I forgive my brother or my sister? Somebody say brother. Somebody say sister. He's talking about family right here. So I'll read it different. How many times shall I forgive my family member who sins against me? I think Peter knew that the closer the relationship, the greater the intimacy, the greater the opportunity for offense. Not only that, nothing hurts like being hurt by the people you love. Nothing hurts like being hurt by the people you trust. Because intimacy, closeness, this is what we tell our leaders often, they breed conflict. We talk about it in the Bible that iron sharpens iron as one person sharpens another. Well, in that sharpening, that's called friction. In that friction, sometimes they rub you wrong. Yeah, that, that offense makes you better, but when you realize it makes you better instead of bitter, it's because you didn't let forgiveness sink into your heart. And what happens is as that conflict happens, it's not something we go through, it's something we grow through. People who have good conflict resolution are very mature relationally. And I can tell a lot about marriages, relationships, students, adults, by their ability to manage conflict. Somebody say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I want to apologize to you. Pastor Mark would apologize to you, as he did last week, to say this. I'm sorry nobody taught you biblically how to handle offense. I'm sorry. I'm sorry nobody taught you how to forgive. I'm sorry they told you to forgive, but they didn't tell you how to forgive because this is one of the greatest blockers of blessings in our life. 
Some of you walked in today offended. Literally, you pulled in. Somebody, somebody drove in front of you. Somebody took your parking, parking spot. Somebody sat in your seat offended. They ran out of coffee offended. I'm never coming back. Harboring years of pain from a wound that still feels fresh today. I'm not making light of small offenses because some of you, you have a pain wound. That you have a wound, not even a scar, that you've been living with for years. Some of you, you're angry at your father. Because you're angry at your father, you can't even be the dad that God is calling you to be. And you're projecting that unforgiveness onto your children. Do you know unforgiveness is generational? Man. Some of you, it's not just dad issues. Oh, I'll talk about our daddy issues. Some of you are mad at your mom. And you can't be the wife that God has called you to be because you're angry with your mother. Some of you, for real honest, you're angry at God. You're mad at God. How'd you take them away from me, Lord? I needed them into my life. I wanted them to be here. You're hurting, bitter, numb, cold-hearted, calloused. And you don't even know it, but we have to talk about our hurts because our hurts can become our hates. And listen to this. All hate is is a refusal to heal. That's all it is. It's giving you permission to stay wounded. It's saying, I don't want this pain to go away. I like feeling this way. I want to keep it. Somebody say, I'm sorry. There are things we want God to do in our hearts, but we can't because we don't have room in it because we're still, our hearts are filled with offense, anger, bitterness, frustration, bad memories, resentment. We're filled with unforgiveness. So point number one, I want us to write this down. We're going to go ahead and go in. Point number one, forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 through 15. If you forgive others for the wrongs they do to you, your Father in heaven will forgive you. But, somebody say but. That's a big but right there. Don't laugh. I'm offended. I'm just kidding. But, if you don't forgive others, your Father will, forg- will not forgive your sins. If you don't forgive others, your Father won't forgive your sins. We have to forgive in order to be forgiven. If we don't forgive, God will not fully forgive us. We have a biblical mandate that we are commanded to forgive and that it's uncharacteristic for a believer to harbor unforgiveness. Why is that? Because if you don't forgive, you're not free. Some of you are in this room and you're walking around, but you are chained. Bound by things that already happened. Forgiveness is setting a prisoner free only to realize the prisoner is me. Wow. We must forgive because we are forgiven. And just like hurt people hurt people, forgiven people forgive people. Number two, forgiveness is not for them, it's for me. Forgiveness has nothing to do with the person who hurt you. Forgiveness is for you. It's not for them. Matter of fact, I'll say it this way. Forgiveness is the gift you give yourself. You want to bless yourself? Forgive them. Pastor Will, what does that look like? We'll get practical later. But this is why the forgiveness of God doesn't just flow to you. It flows through you. You got to receive it. Because if I receive this forgiveness, I have a responsibility to give it away, even if the person or the people who cause my pain are not apologetic, they're not remorseful, or if they're not even aware. But what if they would, Pastor Will, if they would just say they're sorry, I promise I would feel so much better. If they would, here, this is the big one, this is the big one, if, Ansley, if they would just admit that they were wrong, that's the big one. 
I know I was right. You just proved, tell me I was right. Now, you don't even want us, I'm sorry. You want, you're right. That's really, you don't want an apology. You want an answer. Well, what if they don't? What if they never do? Please hear me when I tell you this. I believe this statement right here is going to set some people free. You don't need an apology to heal. You don't need an apology to heal. I don't agree with that, Pastor Will. I'll say it this way. Their repentance doesn't resolve your pain. It doesn't matter how they change. They may never change. I'm sorry, but you don't need an apology because some of you, and you know this is true because you've gotten an apology and it still wasn't enough. They've apologized to you. They keep apologizing to you and it's still not enough. In fact, maybe the apology made it worse. Maybe it made the, made the situation even worse, especially when it's a bad apology. Anybody ever had a bad apology? You ever had one of those? You know, a terrible apology? I got some people in the back. You know, it, it, sound, it sounds like this. It's, it's real bad. Well, I'm sorry that that offended you. That's how they apologize. You're sorry that what you said offended me. Uh, okay, here's another one. I'm sorry that that made you feel some type of way. They sound real proper in their apology. I'm like, is this an insult? Like, I'm, I'm still confused. Here's one. I'm sorry that you took it that way. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. Here's the worst one. You know I was just playing. I'm just joking. Tap your neighbor and say, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Let me, let me give you some advice. Let me give you some advice. If you're going to give a cheap, disingenuous apology, don't give one. Just don't give one. It would be better if you don't apologize. But just to be clear, because I know there's some people in the room like, wait, we don't have to apologize. Just to be clear, I'm not saying don't apologize. I'm saying be sincere when you do. Be genuine when you do. But what if the person that hurt me is dead, Pastor Will? What if they're dead? And they're never going to apologize. They took my pain to their grave. How could they just move on in their life? They acted like nothing ever happened. I saw them again. They never even brought it up. They ignored me. They saw right through me. How could they act that way? Listen, I'm not saying people don't owe you an apology. They probably should, and I wish they did. In fact, I wish they would have. What I'm saying to you is, is you don't need an apology to be made whole. You don't need an apology to heal. You don't, because at the end of the day, they can't give you what you have already received from Jesus. Somebody say, I'm sorry. Because here's where we need to get excited. We are completely forgiven. We are forever forgiven. And that's a great place to say amen. We can rest in the finished work of Christ. And what's great about this, here's, here's a great statement. It's not even on the, on the board or on the screen or anything in your notes. You, need, you really need to write this down. Heaven won't be filled with perfect people. Heaven will be filled with forgiven people. You think you got to be perfect to get to heaven. No, you just got to be forgiven. You need some scripture. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just and he will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we confess, we receive forgiveness. And then as we receive that forgiveness, we're not perfect. We're being perfected. We're getting better. This Christian faith is not about perfection. It's about progression. It's about getting better. Forgiveness is not for them. It's for me. Pastor Will, what is unforgiveness? If forgiveness means to let go of, unforgiveness is defined this way. Please write it down. To hold on to. To keep. It's unwilling or unable to forgive. There's another part on here. 
the last part. It says, when we promise to never forget when someone sins against us. I'm going to talk about what forgiveness is not, but forgiveness is not forgetting. That's later. But still, it's when we hold on to something. Unforgiveness is a learned, unnatural behavior. Kids learn it from their parents. They learn it at school. They learn it amongst their peers. It's an unlearned, unnatural behavior. Point number three, write this down. Unforgiveness doesn't hurt the one who hurt me. It just hurts me. Unforgiveness doesn't hurt the person who hurt you. It just hurts you. And here's one of the biggest lies of the enemy about unforgiveness is that you can hate one person. That you can withhold forgiveness from one person and he whispers it through a friend sometimes. And it sounds like this. Girl, it's just one person. It's just that one guy. It's just that one time. It's just, it's just one person. You don't hate everybody. It's just that one person. Satan will whisper a lie to you. It's okay to harbor unforgiveness towards that person. The truth is you cannot withhold forgiveness because unforgiveness is sin and it leads to more sin. And we need to talk about it. I get it. We come into church and, hey, how you doing? Blessed and highly favor of the Lord. Saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, tongue talking. Whatever, you know, whatever, whatever Pentecostal saying we say, you know, I go to church every Sunday and you come in and you're harboring this unforgiveness. And it's in your heart and nobody's ever told you that's sin. Because the sins we only really want to talk about are the ones that we see on the outside. But we never want to talk about the ones that's in our heart. Unforgiveness is permission to stay addicted to your pain. Unforgiveness is allowance to stay chained to your past. So we need to learn that we need to learn that we can hate what someone did to us and not hate them. You can hate the act. You don't have to hate the person. How? How do I do that? Forgiveness is the only way to stop the person who hurt me from continuing to hurt me. When you say, you know what? I forgive you. What you did hurt me, but my, when, I, when I tell you I forgive you, I'm not going to let that thing stay on me anymore. Forgiveness is surrendering my desire to hurt you because you hurt me. It's giving up the right or the feeling that you think you have to retaliate. It's saying, you know what? It's not even worth it. I forgive you. Unforgiveness doesn't help you. It just keeps you from healing. And that's just like Satan to keep you bound by something that is already over. Let's just be honest. When someone offends us, when someone hurts, when someone hurts us, the last thing we want to do is forgive them. In fact, if you're like me, if you've got a little ghetto tendency in you, instead of forgive them, the first thing you want to do, you want to fight them. How many of you like to fight? Just raise your hands. Stay away from you, you, okay. You don't want to, you don't, you don't want to forgive them. You want to fight them. Matter of fact, uh, just being a little edgy, you don't even want to say, I forgive you. You want to say something different. Uh, just don't. It's, it's that issue. My, my friend uh, in Mississippi, one of my friends, he says this about me all the time. It's really bad. He's like, Will, you got some uncrucified hood still in you. Like, he says that. Now, I don't know why he says that, but I'm like, I'm like y'all. I get it. I don't think about forgiveness immediately. I have to remind myself. I have to think about forgiveness. Why is this important? Because here's what we do. We want to punish them for hurting us. Listen to me, another person's punishment will never heal your pain. I don't care how much pain you try to enforce on them, it's never going to make you feel better. Making them pay for your pain will only cost you. Somebody say, I'm sorry. So please hear me, the only time that someone else's punishment healed my pain when Jesus died on the cross. That's the only time. 
That's the only time it'll ever work. Unforgiveness never hurts the one who hurts you. It only hurts you. Number four. Somebody say number four. Forgiveness is not about keeping score. It's about losing count. Forgiveness is not about keeping score. It's about losing count. I'm, just not to read it again, but Peter asked the question, how many times should I forgive someone who's done wrong to me? Is seven enough? And Jesus answered, not seven, but 70 times seven. Jesus didn't tell Peter how many times to forgive. He taught Peter how to forgive. He was saying, this is continuous. They're going to keep offending you. You're going to live an offended life. Not realizing that Peter and a lot of the other, the, the, our forefathers of the faith, they were martyrs. Like, you talk about offense. We get mad over the small things. These people were losing their life over their faith. Talk about offended. He was teaching him, you got to be, you got to have tough skin. You were going to be offended. It's not about a number. It's not about keeping count. It's about keeping score. It's about losing count. Peter was trying to shrink forgiveness into a number. But Jesus was teaching him that the he was saying to him that followers of Jesus never stop forgiving. So let's just be real. We can all be a lot like Peter. All of us. We're not good at math, but we got a good memory. What number you on? I can't remember, but it was a lot. You know, you, terrible, terrible at math. We got a good memory. We're good at memorizing things we should never, we should never remember. We were good at memorizing things we should forget. What I want to ask you, I, I really want to ask this question. I think it's a really good question. Uh, what if we remember scripture the way we remember pain? We're good at remembering dates. We're not good at remembering verses. It was January 31st. It's a cold night. You know, <laughs> we, go through, <laughs> we go through that. Instead of saying it was in the New Testament, I remember. You're like, we just, we remember the pain, but we can't remember the stories. We can't remember the forgiveness. Some of you sound like this. I remember 14 years ago at 3 p.m. after school, I was on my bike. I was headed home. And you said, I remember what you had on, what shoes you had on. I remember what I had on. Very vivid memory. You can remember the time, the place, and the date. And we're keeping a log and a record of hurt in our head and in our heart. But Peter was probably already making a list and checking it twice. Peter sounded like Santa in this moment. He was like, yeah. I can imagine Peter. You know, Peter, I, we always talk about Peter was a thug. He was cutting off people's ear and stuff like that. But I could just imagine Peter, you know, he was, he was offended. Jesus, you picked Judas? I don't even know why you picked Judas. That was a terrible pick, God. I can't believe you picked him. Oh, God can't pick. You know, I, I don't know what Peter was saying. Or here, here's another one. Peter, he was walking on the water. He was like, or Thomas. Thomas is always doubting. He, just, he never, I told him I walked on water. He saw it. He still didn't believe it. He's just, all these issues. And then not even that, Peter just kept going on and on and on. Or maybe, maybe he said this, John, you're too emotional. You cry all the time. I know you're the one that Jesus loves, but you cry way too much. Like all these issues. None of this is biblical, guys. <laughs> this is just, you know, my Netflix version. I'm sorry, Pastor Mark. <laughs> Peter himself, not realizing that one night he would offer up Jesus three times. Let's count them out. That's three times. So that's three times Jesus could have been offended at Peter. Four, if we count the time when he was walking on the water and he doubted. Four. We got another one. Five, if we count the time that Jesus called Peter Satan. That, that's a big one. Here's my point. If seven was the magic number, we would all be in trouble. Because Peter, who was a follower of Jesus, was already at five. And yet Jesus never brought any of that up because Jesus was emphasizing a greater point. It's not about keeping score. It's about losing count. 
If forgiveness had a number, I want to ask you, what if Jesus only forgave you once? Would it be enough? Number five, we have a reason to be offended, but we never have the right to be offended. You have a reason to be offended, but you don't have the right. You may have a legitimate reason to be offended, but you don't have the biblical right to stay that way. There's no permission in the Bible that says he thou can be offended. It just doesn't say that. And those of us who want to justify our pain are like, why not? Why can't I stay mad at them? Why can't I stay offended, Pastor Will? You don't have the right because it's not right. And even if I have a a reason for my offense, I have a greater responsibility to forgive. Somebody say, I'm sorry. In fact, Proverbs 17, 9 says this. You will keep your friends if you forgive them, but you will lose your friends if you keep talking about what they did wrong. What I want to tell you is that with one offense, at a, what offenses do is offenses build fences. Some translations of that verse say this, whoever covers or conceals an offense, whoever overlooks an offense, seeks friendship and promotes love. If offenses build fences, forgiveness destroys them. If offense builds fences, forgiveness destroys them. Forgiveness is the choice to overlook the pain, the suffering, the hurt that someone else caused you. And here's the thing about these walls. Because when many, when many of us get offended, we put ourselves in these imaginary walls and we're saying, I'm never going to let you hurt me again. I'm never going to let anybody get that close again. I'm never going to. And you just keep putting these stakes in the ground. I'll never, I'll never, I'll never. You'll never do this. And what we think is protection is actually prison. And you think you're keeping things out, not realizing that you can't even get out of the self-made prison you put yourself in. And what I want to tell you is that unforgiveness won't just keep people. It won't just keep people out. It also won't let Jesus in. And you think, oh, I'm protected. No, you're not. You're not protected. You're in prison by a self-made prison that Satan orchestrated for you through one offense. Somebody say, I'm sorry. If you let an offense become offense, it keeps It keeps God from getting in and it keeps you from getting out. So I want to tell you what forgiveness is not. What forgiveness is not. Five things real fast. What forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Colossians 3 verse 13. Remember the Lord forgave you so you must forgive others. It's not it's not forgetting. Anybody ever heard it said by show of hands forgive and forget. You ever heard that forgive and forget. Yep. Okay. cool. Good deal. Um, That doesn't work. Like, I don't I don't know who came up with that. It really doesn't work. And the reason I say this is because uh, I don't care how many times you repeat it. it it's just not going to work. And some of us, we do this to medicate. I just got to forgive and forget. Where's the drinks? I just need to get drunk. I want to forget. I don't even want to remember what happened. I just want to forget. Where's the weed? I just need to forget. I just need, you know, let me hit that. I want to forget. Or some of us, if we're going to be real honest, it's not just drugs or alcohol. It's work. I just need to work more hours. I need to do something to distract my mind. Oh, I just need to get on the golf course. I need to be distracted. I need to get away from the people that I'm closest to. And we think because we're busy and we're trying to keep our brain off the things that hurt us, you're not realizing that forgiveness is not forgetting. Here's a forgiveness tip for you. Don't try to forget. Choose to remember. Remember what? That's, that's weird. Remember what? I just read it. Remember that the Lord forgave you. Here's the issue in this. Paul is saying you can either remember what they did to you or you can remember what Jesus did for you. You get to choose. Forgiveness is not forgetting, and it doesn't mean it leaves your mind. It means it leaves your heart. Number two, forgiveness is not weakness. Forgiveness is not weakness. Uh, I got these weights uh, right here. 
Uh, I'm going to get Jacob Thompson to come on up. He's uh, the oldest third. Can y'all give it up for JT? Give it up for him. Just stand right there, bro. I got one more for you. Yeah, they're heavier than you thought, ain't they? And you already know, just before you, hand, yeah, before you go out, just hold them right there for a second. You know, you good. You good. Just hold them right there by, by your side. Uh, I got these uh, weights, and they represent unforgiveness, right? JT, light work. They feel good. You want to pull a curl real, real quick? Yeah, check my boy out. Yeah. He got muscles under that hat, so. <laughs> uh, I think the reason we like to carry unforgiveness is because it isn't that heavy at first. It's not that heavy at first. Uh, in the moment, they don't even really seem that heavy at all. Honestly, they probably feel good right now, JT, right? They feel pretty good? Good. Uh, you know, sometimes you're carrying bitterness and hatred and frustration, and you think this isn't bad. It's a little uncomfortable, but it's not too bad. And uh, so you can manage. It's slowing you down, but you keep going forward. It's not keeping you from living life, but, you know, you're still managing with it. But here's the problem. You think you're strong because you're good at carrying things you're not supposed to. So when you pick forgiveness up, you're like, oh, man, I'm strong. I got this. I can do this, Lord. Look, I, look, look how strong I am, God. And the only thing that you're meant to carry is your cross, not unforgiveness. So you pick up this unforgiveness, and I want to give you another tip. Anything God told you to let go of, you do not have the strength to hold on to. JT, go ahead and put your arms out with those weights, bro. Yeah, we're about to get the burn in. There we go. He didn't know he came to church to grow closer to God and lose weight. Twofold, baby. That's why you should come to Dothan first if you're watching online. But we justify living with our wounds, living with our trauma, carrying the weight of things that God never gave us the grace to carry. But we hold on to it anyway. And here's the lie of unforgiveness. We think the longer we hold on to it, the stronger we get. It's not true, is it, JT? <laughs> the truth is, the longer you hold on to it, the heavier it gets. And it's hard to worship Jesus like this. It's hard to worship Jesus like this. You can put them by your side. It's hard, <laughs> it's hard to worship Jesus when your head is heavy and your heart is heavy and your hands are heavy. You can't even worship God because what's in your hands is too heavy to lift. And here's the worst part of the lie. You think the weight that you feel is on them too. And you get into moments like this and you wonder why you can't get into worship and why they can. And you don't realize you got weights in your hands and you're looking down the aisle and you're like, how do they get into worship? I know what their, I know what their past is like. I know what their home life is like. Why are they worshiping God? I can't. Not realizing that worship is liberating. And all you do at worship is you just let it go. Just let them go. Just let them go. Just drop them. Just let them go. That's all worship is. You let them go. Thank you, JT. Y'all give it up for JT. After, after you let that weight go, you don't realize how easy it is to lift up your hands. How easy it is to put your eyes back on Jesus. Somebody say, I'm sorry. Forgiveness is not weakness, it's strength. Number three, forgiveness is not feelings. It's not feelings. You don't forgive because you feel like it. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a decision that you will not be emotionally tied to a person, triggered by your past, or let your mood be dictated or altered by somebody else's presence. I know people who have so much unforgiveness in their heart, if the person that caused their offense walked in those doors right now, immediately they tense up. Heart rate increases. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a decision. Number four, forgiveness is not excuses. It's not permission or license for people to continue to hurt you. It's not enabling people to hurt you again and again and again. It's not excusing a person's bad, uh, bad behavior. Listen, it's not approval or acceptance. 
Forgiveness doesn't mean it didn't happen and it doesn't hurt. It doesn't change or excuse what happened to you, but it changes how you respond to what happened. It's not an excuse neither. It's not permission for you to be foolish. Because lastly, forgiveness is not trustworthiness. Just because I forgive you, that doesn't mean I trust you. A lot of us can learn from that right there. Oh, Pastor Will, if I forgive them, that means I'm supposed to let them back in my life. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. If you forgive them, you just need to know I love you over there. <laughs> you, I see you. I got you. You know, you stole from me. I forgive you. Don't come in my house anymore. You lied on me. I forgive you. I just can't tell you anything else. You gossip. You complain. You bicker. All you do is nag about me, about other people. I forgive you, but we can't be that close. Forgiveness is not trustworthiness because forgiveness is a process. Number six, number six, the day of your hurt should also be the day of your healing. Now, I'm not telling uh, you to go outside and, you know, do something dangerous and be like, Pastor Will said the day I got hurt should be the day I got healed. I'm talking about forgiveness. If you go climb a ladder and you don't listen to, you know, OSHA law, and you stand on the top part and you, you know, mm, you mess up. That's not what I'm saying. Don't come back and be like, he said the day, of my, the day of my hurt should be the day of my healing. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about in terms of forgiveness. Forgiveness alone. Because I want to ask you, how long do you want to live wounded? I believe today some people can walk out of the room healed. I believe you can leave the room today with everything, everything that's been boggling you down, the weight that's been on your life, you can walk out of here with your head held high, realizing I'm free. So think about this, getting ready to close. Three days after Jesus was crucified, he wasn't bleeding anymore. Three days later, he wasn't bleeding. Have you ever thought about this? I don't know if you read the Bible like I do. Three days later. His wounds were so severe, his body was beaten, bloody, bruised. So how does a dead body heal? But three days later, he defeated death, hell, and the grave. And he, you know, he, he starts, you know, he, he, he comes out of the grave and he starts presenting himself to the, to the disciples, to those closest to him. And then eventually he shows them his scars. He shows them, he's like, hey, this is where the nails were. This is where they stabbed me in the side. Like, you know, and the Bible even talks about by his stripes we are healed, by his wounds healed, past tense. Like even in that moment, because that was prophetic, that the moment he was taking those beatings, your healing was taking place. So with every lash, you were being healed. Somebody say scars. I want to speak this over you. You can't bleed forever can't bleed forever you can't hurt forever eventually you have to let God heal you or you will bleed out so here's the thing either you heal or you die if you're in the room today and you you want you walk out with the same bondage you either heal or you die you may not die immediately but it's a slow agonizing death I want to tell you don't let unforgiveness kill you don't let unforgiveness kill a generation because you're harboring pain from their grandfather, from your father, from your mother. I know they hurt you. I know they messed up. I know they shouldn't have did that. I wish I could apologize and stand in their place, but Jesus already did that 2,000 plus years ago. The same place where the hurt occurred is the same place where the healing happens. Because see, what I want for you is I want you to remember the pain 
but you don't even remember what it feels like. You like you you see the scar and you're like, man, that hurt. I know it hurt. I remember the story, but I don't remember what it feels like. You can be so healed that you forget the pain of the moment. So let's get practical. Pastor Will, when should I forgive? You should forgive quickly, often, and pray. Forgive quickly, forgive often, and pray. Pastor Will, why why are those the practical steps? Because we all need forgiveness. Peter's question was actually twofold, and Jesus' answer was twofold. How often should I forgive somebody who offends me, who sins against me? Is this, is this good enough? Is this seven a good enough number? And the way Jesus answered it, he answered it in a way to let Peter know, it's not just when they offend you, it's when you offend them. You're going to mess up too, Peter. You're going to mess up too. And I like to read stories sometimes and put myself in that situation. I believe Jesus says to me, Will, you need forgiveness too. You need to extend forgiveness too because I gave it to you. In fact, Luke 7, 47 says, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. I want to love much. I want to love much. And if we really had faith, it would show up in our love. If we really have faith, it would show up in how generous we are with our forgiveness. How do I know this? Because God so loves that he gave. God so loves that he gives. God so loves that he forgave. It's all about generosity. And there is no greater moment or picture of this than when he was on the cross and he saw us in today. He saw through the blood in his eyes and through the pain and he saw us right here in Dothan first. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Not realizing we participated in his crucifixion. In his worst hour, our greatest gift was ever given. Somebody say forgiveness. Listen to me as I get ready to close. If you don't heal, you will hurt people you're called to bless. If you don't forgive your father, young ladies, young men, if you don't forgive your father, you will hate all men. You will hate all. Listen, if you do not forgive your ex, you will not, you will not be able to enjoy whoever the next person is in your life that God has for you. If you can't forgive that leader, you will struggle to submit to all authority. If you cannot, if you cannot love one race, you give yourself permission to hate all people. Here's one that the church really needs to hear. And it's not just this one group of people. It's a lot of people that fall in different categories. If you cannot love people who struggle with same sex attraction, you give yourself permission to hate people. We got to forgive them. Because if Christians should be should be the easiest people like if we should just extend forgiveness as easily as we do we should offer forgiveness to sinners because they may not know any better yet they may not know the scriptures they didn't grow up in the same privileged households that we grew up in and in the church services and have listened to the stories and have, and have chose to sit in, in the presence of God and listen to God's word they haven't gotten to that place but it's our job to teach the scriptures through love we're called to love to forgive So what offense is there that's so great that you can't forgive? I want you to go ahead and stand on your feet. Forgiveness doesn't come after change. It's the empowerment to change. That's what it is. 
So the word forgive, if you really broke it down, it means to give in advance, to give before, to give before. And Romans 5, 8 proves this. But God proves his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While you were still messed up, he forgave you. If forgiveness and death are the two enemies we face, the resurrection provides victory over both. So, if you're in this room and you need prayer and you say, Pastor Will, I've been struggling with, with unforgiveness. It's in my heart. But before I, you know, deal with the unforgiveness, I, I really, I need to give my life to Jesus. I really need to make this decision. If you're in the room, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going to ask that nobody looks around. And the only reason we do this is because we don't want to embarrass anybody. We're talking about heart issues. And sometimes these heart issues in us, you know, we're embarrassed to raise our hand. But before we get to that heart issue, some of you need to get the salvation part right first. If you're in this room, you say, Pastor Will, I want to give my life to Jesus so I'm better at forgiving people. If that's you and the unforgiveness that you had in your heart has kept you from giving your life to Jesus, if that's you, I want you to simply raise up your hand. Anybody in the room? Yeah, I see that hand. Anybody else? Awesome. Praise God. I want to pray this prayer over the people that just raised their hand. And I want us to pray together. And I say this a lot, but I just feel like it needs to be said in this moment. When you give your life to Jesus, you don't just get a father, you get a family. So as a family, I want us to pray together and make this make these people that just feel like they raised their hand feel like they're a part of what they're what they're walking into. Say this with me. Say, Father, forgive me. I have sinned. I confess that to you. I receive your gift, your free gift. Father, help me to forgive myself. Holy Spirit, help me to forgive those who hurt me so I can experience true freedom. I believe today that my life has just begun. In Jesus' name, amen. Can y'all give God some praise for the people that gave their life to Jesus? It's so awesome. If you did, we want to encourage you, text D1WALK to 84576. That's not just something we say. That's a resource to help you walk this thing out. But there are others in the room. You know, you, you know who you need to forgive. God, the Holy Spirit has already spoke the name to you. And it's going to be hard. I wish it was going to be easy. It's going to be hard. But you need to do it anyway because it's not for them. It's for you. So I want to pray over you for strength, for boldness, for peace, to do some hard things. So I want you to put your hands out like you're about to receive. And I want to pray this blessing over you right before we close. Because some of us, we need to walk out of here and do some hard work. Let's pray. God, we've ran from your process long enough. But we're ready to build. We're ready to let this pain go. We can't hold these weights anymore. We're done holding on to what is hurting us. What's hurting our friends. What's hurting our family. What's even hurting our future. Father, we're done and we're ready for healing. Help us to forgive. Help us to forget the pain. As your word says, you forget our sins and let us remember your grace. Help us be free. We're ready to let go. Now, Lord, bless us. Keep us. Make your face to shine on us and be gracious to us. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and he bring us peace. And may the Lord our God write his name on your heart and declare you are his child. And no one and nothing can separate you from his love. May you know the love of our Savior that came and died for us and rescued us, who loves us perfectly in spite of our imperfections. I bless you to be a blessing. 
that you may love your family and your friends, that you may love God and love people the way he loves us. And may we know the good gift that God has given us and that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. May he bless us today, this week, and the days to come with good gifts. I bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Give God some praise. I hope you really enjoyed that. Uh, before we dismiss, I just want to remind you, uh, if you're in the room, you say, Pastor Will, I want to tell my story. I want, I want to share about, you know, that moment that's going to happen this week. I'm believing for those moments. Text D1TEXT to 84576. Share your story. Sign up for Grow Track, any of those things. Maybe even baptism if you gave your life to Jesus because we want to invite you into the family and to take your next step. We love you. You guys are dismissed.